Bible in your hand, let's begin looking at the Word of God. And today is history. Today you are a part of history. And you're asking, what do you mean I'm a part of history? This is my first sermon preached as an official United States of America citizen. I am free now to preach with no reservation, no hold back. They can't take it back. The judge already said you're a citizen. Glory to God. I am so super excited. Thank you all for that. Amen. Go to Psalms chapter 11. Would you? Psalms chapter 11. And I know there were 24 people that received their uh, welcome as citizen, but I'm telling you, man, I feel like with all the likes and people's comments and everything like that, that it is so amazing. It is so amazing. So my prayer this morning, as you turn to Psalms chapter 11, we're going to look at the entire psalm. It's really short. It's only seven verses. We're going to focus on verse 3. So if you want to uh, put a mark there on Psalms 11, verse 3. And one of the things I'm really excited about is that um, I had to be careful. You know, the Bible says you've got to be wise as serpents, but gentle as dove, right? And so in this, this age and time we're living in where everything is censored and everything is listened to, I had to be very, very strategic in what I did. So there were causes that you may assume I was silent on. I was just being strategic. It wasn't that I was silent on it. Is I was strategic because in order to get my citizenship, you got to go through a lot of different stuff. And I didn't want to contaminate God's call on my life. And so in being wise and trusting God and through the prayers of so many of you, I told Megan, I was like, man, why don't we do this five years ago? And she says, well, you weren't pastor in TGP yet. And so the reality is that because of this church, the final process was pushed by you all to get me there. And so I stand in this historic moment loving and appreciate every single one of you. And I enjoy pastoring this church. It is an amazing responsibility and a joy that fills my heart. I literally enjoy what I do. There is no, oh, my gosh, any regrets whatsoever. I applaud every single one of you. Thank you all for your commitment to my family and to Megan and all those different things that, that, that are necessary. So I feel now that the, 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 the chains are off, so to speak. And now I can actually preach. and don't have to worry about them saying, hey, remember when he said this? Remember when he said that? And so in Psalms 11, verse Three, I'm going to read from the New Living Translation, and today it's called Order Your Private World. Order Your Private World. It's a good topic. Psalms 11, verse 3, the New Living Translation, if they can get that up there. I love it. It says, the foundations of law and order have collapsed. What can the righteous do? What a message for America. What a message for the world. Let me read it again. The foundations of law and order have collapsed. What can the righteous do? A question is being asked. And prayerfully this morning, we're going to be able to answer this this question. Father, I trust in your word. I thank you for this opportunity to speak your word. I thank you for what you put in my heart. And I pray that you have your way. Minister, as you see fit, Lord, let your agenda, let your will 
be received this morning as we honor and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen and amen and amen. So, I, again, I'm, I'm going to ask that you would indulge me as I just kind of walk you through the quick process of what took place on Thursday. Uh, and, again, for those who have known me for a number of years and, and I've shared with you the process of it, and, again, those who were born in America, um, I just want to remind you of the value of really being a citizen of the United States. Right? I want to share that with you because... From the apostolic call on my life, I think it's important that you really understand uh, the reason why you're here and the reason why you're actually part of the body of Christ. And more importantly, you are part of the redemptive history of God. I want you, I want you to please understand that, that you're part of the redemptive history of God. And I'm going to show you through the scripture how these things connect and how we must use wisdom and understand, and write this down, that God is in the details. I want you to write that down. The devil, God is in the details. Okay? God is in the details. So there, every aspect of your life, God has already fashioned. He already knows about it. God is in control. God is in charge. The, God is not afraid of the enemy. God is not intimidated by the enemy. I need you to write that down. God is in the details. And so, therefore, he's not intimidated by the enemy. God doesn't watch what the devil does and then reacts to it. So if the enemy is messing with you, God's like, oh, let me intervene now. No, God is setting you up to understand that he's in the details of your life and that you're part of redemptive history, and that ought to make you give God praise and give God glory. I I believe, and someone can, can correct me if I'm wrong, I believe it was JFK who said, don't ask what your country can do for you. Ask what you can do for your country. And so I thought about that. I'm like, oh, so don't ask what God can do for you. Ask what you can do for God. And then the Lord said to me, but there's nothing, nothing you can do for me. He said, I don't need hands for worship. I don't need anybody. I'm like, what? He goes, I don't need you to tell me I'm God. I need for you to know that I'm God. And then you can do great for your country. Come on. And so because if you've written it down already, God is in the details. And because God's in the details, I want to show you something. That God, when he asks something of you, never takes away something so you are depleted. God doesn't remove things out of your life so you have a sense of depletion. No, no, no. God removes things out of your life to get you to line up so you can have the abundance that he has for you. Because God is in the details, right? He, he, he's there. And, and so one of the things I want to share with you is that, is that when, when I got saved at the age of 18 and, and I got up off the ground and, and the Lord spoke these words to me ever so clearly. And, and he said, he says, Rowan, I want you to no longer pursue basketball. I want you now to go to Bible college and I want you to become a preacher. And I said, Okay. And I said, well, I have to go to Bible college. And he says, because if it doesn't cost you anything, you won't be committed to it. I said, seriously? He goes, yes, I know you, Ron, because I'm in the details of your life. And he said, I want you to go to Bible college. So I went to Bible college, and I finished all that. And so my senior year, when I went back in high school, and they were saying, hey, what are your plans? And, and please understand, my goal was to come to America on a basketball scholarship. I wanted to play uh, basketball, NCAA, Division I basketball, and I was on track for it. I was really, 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 really good uh, basketball player. Did I say really, really, I mean really, really, really good basketball player. 
And if I had the privilege and the opportunities that are in America for sports, if they had that in Canada, I would be absolutely on like cloud nine. And so for me, this is for me, that was a major sacrifice that God was asking me to do because it took away my identity. Basketball was my identity. Basketball was the thing that I would refer to because I was really, really good at it. And when God, I get saved and all of a sudden he starts taking stuff away. I'm like, hold on a second here. Um, I give my heart to you and you take the most important thing in my life and you say, don't do that, do this. Have you written it down yet? God is in the details. Because once you recognize that God's in the details, he's going to ask of you to do things that you're going to think they are to deplete, but no, they're not. He's not taking things from you to deplete. No, he's actually removing things so you have room so that he can bring the abundance that he has for you so you can understand that God is a God of pleasure and a God of promise. He's a God of pleasure and God of promise. And and so when I did that, um, what was really neat was the number on my basketball jersey was number five. That was my number. It was number five. And uh, in my office, I have a picture of me doing a layup, and it was really cool. I mean, it was just like this, you know, doing a layup. And, and I keep it in my office just to remind me of what I could have been. <laughs> what I could have been. A nice layup. I'm like this, man. Like, boom. You can't touch this. I mean, I got it in my left hand, and it's, it's beautiful. I'll show you sometime if you want to see it. I mean, it's absolutely amazing. Come on. Because God is in the details. And so all of a sudden, I'm like, okay, God, if, you, if you've taken away the very thing that gives me pleasure, then serving you, I'm already starting off at a place of trying to understand this God who here I was playing basketball. I got my fulfillment from it. I wasn't causing anyone any trouble. I was playing by the rules. And you took it away from me, God. And you says, go to Bible college and become a preacher. And so my senior year, my friends are there. And they're like, yes, this is the year. And I have to tell them, guess what? I got saved and I'm... I'm no longer going to pursue basketball at that high level. And just like God, the final game my senior year on All-Star, it was East versus West. And my final game, my final game, me and the other guards scored half of our points. I was on fire. I was scoring shots everywhere. It's almost like God was saying, get it all out. He's like, get it all out. Did you write down God is in the details yet? Because I want, I want, I want you to understand this, that, that that final game, it was great. And so a, a guy runs down and says, hey, what are your plans for next year? And I went to him and I said, I'm, I'm, I'm going to go to Bible college. And he says, Barber College? I said, no, no, no. I'm going to go to Bible college. Because God is in the details. And so my number was number five on the back of my jersey. So now I'm in Toledo. And um, it's a ceremony, a beautiful, beautiful place, glass, and the American flag just right there. It's absolutely breathtaking. I mean, it was beautiful, absolutely beautiful. And I'm there. And so they said, everyone who's getting their citizenship, you know, c- come on out, and, and you go and have the chairs. They're all numbered. And um, they're like, number one, number two, and I come up, and they're like, here's your number. And I, and I take my number, and I walk, and I go to the chair that my number is on. And when I sit down on it, I turn to Magon and I said, babe, you won't believe this. I said, it's the number five. God was saying what you did 20 plus years ago by wearing number five on the back of your jersey 
what are the odds of 24 people getting their citizenship that my number would be number five, that I'll be sitting on the chair and God is saying, I didn't deplete anything from you. I'm the God of the details of your life. And what you were on your back 20 plus years ago, come on, he said, I still kept my word. So though you may not know God's acts, you must know God's ways. Come on, somebody. And if you know God's ways, you can read Psalms 11 and you can realize that though the foundations, come on, of law and order collapse, what can the righteous do? First, we can do this. God is in the details. God is in the details. And so we look at this particular Psalms and we realize now that we must understand the importance of citizenship. That we must understand in order to, 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 to make a difference uh, uh, and really to embrace all that God has for us in the redemptive history of this nation, we must understand citizenship first in the kingdom of God. We must get to a place where people are rock solid on their belief system. We can no longer believe the lies of the enemy that people have been uh, sleeping with in the sense of sleeping with the lies of the enemy until you give birth to deception. And so we must understand this, that the enemy lies. He's a liar. He's the father of lies. And so he doesn't want you to take anything that God gives you seriously. He doesn't want you to take your relationship with God seriously. And I'm going to show you in this particular psalm what happens when the foundations collapse is because we're not taking the word of God seriously. There is so many things happening in this world. I'm going to get to it. There is a lot that's happening right now in the world. Just watch the news and you can see so many things that's happening in the news right now and in the world in general. But the question is being asked, what can the righteous do? And the first thing we can do is simply this, is understand our citizenship in heaven. Understand that your citizenship in heaven grants you access and legal permission To order your private world of peace, prosperity, and to give praise unto the glory of God. There is no way that Minister Blaine can go and say, hey, we're going to do this and take territory without having a citizenship. The devil will mess him up big time. You have to know your citizenship, your legal right to access things. If you want your child to come to know Jesus, you must know your citizenship and that you are seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Someone say authority. You have to know your authority. If you're going to decree and declare certain things, if you're going to jump on a particular cause, you must know the authority that you have as a citizen of your legal right to decree and to demand that. Why? The enemy recognizes that. And he says you must understand that to order your private world, your private thought, and for you to have peace, which is the Hebrew word shalom and the word prosperity, which goes together. You can't have one without the other. So when they talk of the prosperity gospel, the enemy has lied to us of what it is. The enemy is lying to you. When you say the word prosperity, automatically we make a judgment on it. But if there's some billionaire and he is prosperous, we don't question that because we can see how we got it. But when you're serving God because we think God depletes stuff from us, someone that has wealth, we automatically think they're greedy. The devil is a liar. 
is that with prosperity, you must have peace. Because there's some people who are billionaires and they have no peace whatsoever. They're always wondering, someone going to take money from me. They're always wondering who's going to you know, try to backstab me. They don't have peace. I don't care how wealthy the Amazon guy is. If he doesn't know Jesus, he has no peace. That's a good word for somebody right there. So understand your citizenship gives you access to peace and prosperity. The issue is stewardship of your resources. That's what brings the wealth, but not a status. You are, in, in, in terms of your status, you are prosperous because of Jesus. Am I helping anybody? So as we move forward as a nation, we must recognize the blessings of God. And if we don't, we will take the blessings of God and become an idol. And we love the blessing more than we love the one who gave it to us. And so we live in a nation that's prosperous, and that's God is doing that. God is doing that. He's blessing this nation. And so as a result of it, we then have to recognize that we're citizens of another kingdom that's been sent here. Why? So that we can be part of the redemptive history that God has for us. Doesn't that bring purpose to your life? It should. It brings purpose to your life. So when someone gives their heart to them, we're going to go through that. When someone gives their heart to Jesus, understand that what happened is this, is that to be citizen in God's economy is quite simple. It's not difficult at all. Again, Mr. Blaine was telling, uh, he was sharing that, that as they were praying for people, there was one family said, do you want prayer? And the family would say, no, we don't. And a nine-year-old says, I want prayer. <laughs> Think about it. The parent says, we don't want prayer. And the nine-year-old. Oh, I'm going to let that sink in just for a second there. Come on. The nine-year-old said, if you don't want prayer, then I want prayer. And so the gospel is quite simple. It's quite simple. It's not difficult whatsoever. It is simply to believe in Jesus Christ as the only begotten son of God. And that his sacrifice on the cross, here's a, here's a biblical word, atoned for our sin. In other words, God is saying someone had to pay the price for sin because I'm God and I must judge sin. If you know God's way, you will know his act. He has to judge sin. He can't be the God of your life if he doesn't judge sin because sin separated you from God. And God can't lie. And he said in his word that the soul that sinned must die. He said that. And so therefore the atonement simply means that Jesus went to the cross on behalf of you and I. So all of God's wrath, all of God's righteous wrath was placed on Jesus at the cross. So the cross is not just a fashion symbol we wear. Come on. The cross is the means for us to be atoned so we can have a relationship with Jesus Christ. It's that simple. That's why we bow down and worship God. That's why we acknowledge his goodness. It's none of the blessings that God gives. It's the fact that God saved my soul by sending his son, Jesus Christ. I know it's simple, but if it doesn't become substantive in your life, you will neglect this great salvation. Don't neglect this great salvation. The number one barrier that must be removed is a relationship with God. And Jesus removed the barrier to a relationship with God. That's it. That's it. 
So the people you meet, the first thing you realize, you tell them, there is a barrier between you and God, and Jesus is the only way to remove the barrier of sin so you can have a relationship with God. That's it. That's it. That is the simple gospel message. And so a citizen in the economy, having this firm base, having this firm understanding, you now actually speak to reality. Come on, somebody. You speak to someone's reality because at the end of it, what everyone needs is a relationship with Jesus Christ. At the end of it, that's what everybody needs is a relationship. So your relationship with Jesus Christ is the most important, meaningful, and relationship that you must protect at all costs. Above every other relationship, you must protect that relationship. So with all that being said, understanding that God is in the detail, understanding now the citizenship, you and I now as followers of Christ, in order for us to live free from sin, to produce fruits that remain, and watch this now, and to release the fragrance of healing and wholeness to a nation that you love. So part of the redemptive history of God is this, is that God has called me to release a fragrance of healing and wholeness to this nation. What a responsibility that God has given to us as Americans. I'm going to clap for that. You're telling my life is, yes, that you are you. Have been called by God. I've been called by God to do that. Okay, so prove it from the scriptures. Well, here it is. Go to Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1. Because the writer of Psalms, which is the Apostle Paul, excuse me, uh, David. David is saying, um, because this counsel was given to him, if the foundation and the law and order has collapsed, what can the righteous do? So let's break it down because you have to get the foundation of where you stand on. Because God is releasing people, come on, to bring healing and wholeness to a nation that is desperately crying out for hope. That's desperately crying out for God to do something. If you watch TV and if you are any observer, of what's been going on in the hearts of humanity, if that doesn't move you to get to a place where you're crying out to God, says, God, I need for you to bless this nation and something's wrong. God, I need for you to have mercy on this nation and something's wrong. For you to say, God, I pray your grace upon this nation and something's wrong. Because we need God's hope. We need God's grace. We need God's mercy to move in this nation. Is anybody with me? So he says this. In Ephesians chapter 1, verse 4 and 5. Even as he chose us in him before when? The foundation of the what? The world. This word is the Greek word that we get the word cosmos. It's, it's, it's the word that means something is ordered. This word means an ordered system like the universe creation. Um, it, it actually means A word that brings things into order. So what he's saying is before God says, let there be light in Genesis, he already had you on his mind. Oh, Oh, my goodness. That God was saying that I chose you before the foundation of the ordered system, let there be light. 
Do you really think the enemy can mess with you when that's the reality of who you are, what God has done? Come on. That God is actually, because he's the God of the details, he's saying that I did that for this reason, so you can be holy and blameless before him. So he moves us to a place. Now, how do I walk righteous in a world that's in chaos? How do I walk righteous in a foundation of law and order that's collapsed? And he says, what can the righteous do? And he's saying this. The first thing the righteous can do is to know that the reason why they are holy and blameless is because they were chosen before the foundation of the cosmos that you live in. Let me break it down for you. Because you have to understand that God has given you everything you need to be successful. So the goal is how are you walking that out in your life? So the enemy's responsibility or the enemy does, he doesn't want you to know who you are. He can't stop who you're becoming, but he can deny you to know who you are. And so when you know that you're chosen, you have this confidence. Why? Because you now realize that he not just chose, he didn't just choose me to be holy and blameless, but he also predestined me to be adopted as his son through who? Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will. So you tell me God has a purpose for this nation? Yeah. This God has a purpose for your life? Yes, he does. And the way that you bring peace and prosperity to your life is passionately pursuing the purpose of God for your life. Let me say that again. The way that you enjoy the peace and prosperity as a citizen is for you to pursue the purpose of God's will for your life. I'll say it again. The way that you have peace, the shalom of God, nothing missing, nothing broken, is for you to recognize that the prosperity of God is available for me. It's available because God has given it to me and he chose me. So now I passionately pursue God's purpose for my life. So I don't live by scheduled events. I live by created events before the foundation of the world, oh God. And so now I realize that greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. So the day you were born, all hell got nervous. (laughs) Because he didn't know, again, is this going to be the one who's going to bring havoc to the kingdom of darkness? So the moment you were born, come on, and you came out of your mother's womb. Oh, God, hell got nervous. And the devil says, we got to try to stop them from the womb if we can. Because if they break through the womb and get into the earth realm, they will know their legal status. And if they pursue God's purpose, they'll bring havoc and they will bankrupt the economy of hell. Oh, God. If you really knew prosperity and how you're able to bankrupt the economy of hell, every single one of us that when we got saved, we bankrupt hell. Come on, somebody. We says you are not take the gifts that God has given for me, given to me to be used for you. No, 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 no. I'm going to take every single thing that God gave me to use for God's glory. So when a drug dealer gets saved, come on, that's bankrupt in hell. Come on. Ah, come on, somebody. Eh? In the name of Jesus, when somebody moves from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light, ah, hell gets nervous because you bankrupt hell. That's a good preaching. I've never heard that before. Bankrupt the economy of hell, yes. Woo! I'm telling you right now, when you got saved, all oh, hell got nervous. 
Because if they ever know who they are, come on, somebody. And if they ever pursue the purpose of God for their life, they will build a foundation. Oh, my God. For a generation to stand on and declare the goodness of God and bring redemption to this nation. You see, it's more than just repeat after me. It's really know who you are. Come on. Oh, come on, come on, come on. Know who you are. And there are people assigned by the enemy who's come in agreement with the lies of the enemy. Sent to distract you and I. I mean, even people who perceive that they love you. The enemy is that ruthless. That he will use anyone that lines up and agrees. Come on. With the lies of this world. To try to get you to not order your private world. You see, the Bible tells in Romans 12 verse 2, do not be conformed to this world. Now, that's a different Greek word. So he talked about the cosmos, the ordered system. And so now he says, don't be conformed to this world. And so what Paul is saying, you still are in the world. And so this particular word in the Greek for world means age. It's where the disciples asked Jesus, hey, when is it going to be the end of the age? So in other words, there's the, there is what we call the seven seas, and the seventh one is, is called, it's called the, 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 final, the final climax, the, the final uh, accumulation is where God now comes back and he restores everything back to the way he wanted it. And what they're saying is they says, do not be conformed to the spirit of this age, but what? But be transformed by renewing your mind that by testing you may discern what is the will of God. So watch this now. So somebody who understands what it means to be righteous understands this. For me to rebuild the foundations of law and order that has collapsed, I must be a person with a transformed mind and a discerning spirit. I have to be able to walk into situations knowing my citizenship. And I've got to walk in those situations knowing that I'm transformed and I'm renewed my mind to not think like the spirit of this age. But I now think God's thoughts. Oh, come on. Oh. And so I now make legal on earth what is in heaven. So therefore, the prayer that Jesus says, as it is in heaven, so be it on earth. I now become the conduit of that. And I desire what? God's good, acceptable, and perfect will. Now, for both of those, Romans 12 and Ephesians 1, we must understand this, is that we get to this place where I call it land that I love. The land that I love. I was asked, well, when you became a citizen, and, and, and he said, so, so, so what about Canada? I said, listen, I'm actually here because I'm on assignment from God. I'm here, why? Because God in these last days has a massive plan for this nation, and I don't want to miss it. Oh, come on. That God in his sovereignty, God in his providence, the things you're seeing right now are all a distraction and they're all a delusion. And the enemy wants you to lose and not know what God is doing. He wants to use the ancient secret he's always done, divide and conquer. That's what he wants to do, divide and conquer. And because of that, the psalmist is saying, and the foundations of law and order are collapsed. He's literally saying, what can the righteous do? So they're saying, what can the church do about what's going on? You're just making noise. What authority do you have? It's almost like the devil saying, what are you going to do about it? 
What are you going to do? What I'm doing in your nation and I'm doing around the world. The enemy said, what are you going to do about it, church? He's telling us, first and foremost, it has to be a place where you realize this is the land that God loves. I know saying that for some people may think, what do you mean? Listen to me. I fully understand that America has her serious problems. I get that. But America also has her promises from God. And so America is a land of prosperity. So the question is really asking, what can the righteous do? Thank you for asking. Here's what we can do. Number one, God is in the detail. Did you get that? God is in the details. And you and I are part of redemptive history. So don't you ever let anybody talk you out of your citizenship and your legal right to exist on this earth to fulfill the purpose God has for you. Don't let anybody talk you out of your dream, your passion. Don't let the enemy lie to you. Don't come in agreement with the lies of the enemy. Understand, this is the greatest day to live. Come on, this is the greatest moment in history. Yes, yes, this is the greatest time. God is still on the throne, and we're going to read about it. God is still ruling and reigning. This is the moment for you to line up with God's divine rule for your life and tell the devil to let go of you because he has no legal right to you. If the enemy has moved, then kick him out. Give him his eviction notice. You're not welcome here anymore. You've got to get out of my life. This is private property. Oh, that's for somebody right there. This is private property, Satan. You've got to get out. You have no access. And because I love this time. And so what we must do is this. God is in the details. And number two, this must be our confession. In God we trust. In God we trust. Psalms 11, verse 1, he begins and he says, in the Lord, I take refuge. In the Lord, I take refuge. That's what he says. In the Lord, I take refuge. In other words, it's in the Lord that I trust. And so the psalmist is saying, is, if we look at it, Psalms 11, verse 1, in the Lord, I take refuge. So he says, how can you say to my soul, flee like a bird to your mouth? In other words, the counsel David was getting was this. Hey, um, I, I don't know if you know David, uh, but Saul... He killed all the priests. Like Saul is hunting you down, David. And because of you, and because you're pursuing the call of God in your life, Saul now killed all the priests. About 80 of them. And he said, if the foundation, if the priests have been slain, who operate in the temple, we are without hope. And so they said to David, David, run! Run away. And David said, how can I flee to the mountain? I have a call of God on my life. Don't you remember that Samuel the prophet came and he anointed me in my house and God helped me to conquer the lion and God helped me to conquer the bear and God helped me to conquer Goliath. Come on, you've got to recognize that God was in the details of some of your battles. And how can I run away from God when God has been so good to me? David is saying, no, it's in God we're going to trust. That if that was allowed, that God must know what he's doing. That is so good right there. It's in the Lord I take my refuge. Listen to me. You must say this. It's in God we trust. My family, in God we trust. My finance, in God we trust. My mental state, in God we trust. My emotion, in God we trust. If there's anyone else you are trusting other than God, it's going to collapse. 
You might be able to sustain it right now, but it's going to collapse. Listen to me. I'm going to share with you why it is when we see nations collapse. The book of Daniel talks about that nations and empire rise up and nation empires, they collapse, right? And nations, they rise up and nations collapse. And what we're seeing now is that they're saying, what can the righteous do when one nation rises up and another nation is broken down? And one nation rises up, another nation is torn down. And the answer is this, in God we trust. Right? that. On your mirror with your lipstick for the ladies. For the ladies, you know what I mean? And, and just right in God we trust. When you get up in the morning time, in God we trust. Why? Because God is in the details of my life for today. And God has called me. I can't run away from my calling. I can't run away from my encounters with God. I can't run away. He's the one that killed the lion and the bear. I can't run away. No, God, for years I've been believing that you're going to do something great in my life. And God has kept his word. In God we trust. In God we trust. Next thing is this. Trust God for what? You see, when you trust God, let me quote this. It means this, that I'm living a life of holiness in this chaotic world. So when you say in God we trust. It's not just on the money. It's on your mind. It's what you meditate on. And what you're saying is this. Is that I live in a life of holiness. In this chaotic. Confusing. Conflicted world. And completely devoted to God. Is when you say. In God we trust. Are you there this morning? Are you there this morning to say, you know what? I understand I'm part of the redemptive history of God. I recognize that God has chosen me. So what I'm going to do now is this. Number one, God, you're in the details. To order my private world, I'm going to say when I wake up in the morning time, God, you're in the details. So guess what? I'm not going to worry about my child. Why? Because you're going to be watching over my child. Because the enemy will try to use that to distract me from purpose. So God, you're in the details. My finance, you're in the details. Everything, my faith, everything is in the details. And what's going to happen next? You get to this place where you realize now, in God, I am going to trust. Because here's what you're going to face. Someone say, what am I going to face, Pastor Ro? Here's what you're going to face. We all have an enemy. Foreign and domestic. You have an enemy that hates you and hates me. And until you recognize that, stop being cute with the enemy. He's out to destroy your life. He's taking no prisoners. And so what happens is God in his grace, watch God. He sees what's going on. And he says, I need you to have a birth date. Come on. Mm. Mm. He sees what's going on, so he says, I need a Billy Graham birthday. He sees what's going on. I need a a revivalist. Come on, Smith Wigglesworth. Boom. Oh, good God Almighty. God sees what's going on. He sees the chaos. He says, I need a Jody. Come on. Ah, God sees what's going on. He says, "I, I, I I need a Blaine for such a time as this because there's chaos in the world. Woo, good God Almighty. So I need someone who's going to say, God, you're in the details of my birth because everything about me was fashioned in my mother's womb. Come on. You know the details from the womb. And so therefore, before I go to the tomb, I'm going to live my life of purpose. Why? Because there's chaos in the world. There's chaos. And the question is being asked, what can the righteous do in the midst of the chaos and the collapse? 
And what's going on is this. is God is saying, who do you trust? Who do you trust? Government or you trust God? Who do you trust? We've got to trust God while we influence government. Come on. Let me tell you what's going on, church. Wake up. At the ceremony, the first thing they told me to do was not to get my passport. The first thing they said was register to vote. They had somebody waiting outside the glass doors. My ink wasn't even dried on my paper yet. Ooh, come on, somebody. And I want to tell you what the person told me because they assumed something about me when I was filling on my paper. It's strictly supposed to just be registered to vote. No, people can't help themselves. Already trying to influence. Oh, come on. My ability to govern this nation and my contribution to it. Ooh, good God Almighty, I want you to get this, man. They weren't concerned about where I was going to travel. They were concerned about the direction for this nation. And they said, I want you to register to vote because you now are a citizen and you contribute to what's going on. And so in God we trust. And if you don't trust God, come on, you will be influenced, come on, to not know how to think, but you'll be influenced to tell you what to think. Please, I'm not saying it was negative or positive. I'm just giving you reality. That's what happened. There's no intention to try to, to, to try change things. It was just the reality of what you're stepping into. And if we don't get to a place where we say, in God we trust. Come on, Minister Blake, you're not going to take the city if, unless you trust God. Because he may ask you to do things that you're like, what? God says, do you trust me that I'm in the details of your life, God Almighty? I believe that's for somebody right there. Greater is he that's in you than he that's in this world. There's chaos. There's chaos. Let me give you the five things or the four things that contribute to chaos. And I'll be done because this is the reality of what you're living in. Ignore any one of these and I promise you, you will be sidelined. If you want to know what happened biblically in Afghanistan, I'm going to share it to you right now. If you want to know why empires fall and collapse, I'm going to give it to you right now. It's right here. He said in Psalms 11 verse 2, he says, Behold, the wicked bend the bow, and they have fitted their arrow to the string to shoot in the dark at the upright in heart. Let me give them to you, please, in my few moments left. If you've never been taken note, if you want to answer me. Here are the things. Here are the things that is lurking. Listen to me, church. Father, I won't be intimidated by this silence. Your people are locked and load, loaded. Some of you right now, you're seeing that God has so much more for you, and you're a game changer. You're starting to realize it now. He says, for behold, the wicked bend the bow. They have fitted their arrow to the string to shoot in the dark at the upright in heart. So the chaos in the world is this. Watch this now. First and foremost is a religious spirit. First, the enemy releases with the air. He goes like this, and he points it at you, and he goes, a religious spirit. Boom. 
First thing he does, religious spirit. It's in the dark. It's not in the light because you can see it. It's in the dark. It's the upright in heart. And he pulls it back and he's like, religious spirit. And Jesus says, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees. The second thing is a political spirit. You must have a political spirit if you're going to follow a religious spirit. And again, Jesus says, look out for the leaven of Herod. So we have a religious spirit. That's an arrow. We have a political system. Number three, and this is the one that's dangerous. We have false prophets. When you have a religious spirit and you have a political system, it's the foundation for a false prophet to be elevated. The Bible calls it by the Antichrist, and Antichrists already are in the earth already. So the Antichrist, no one knows yet. But the Antichrist is fully roaming around in America. The land that I love. The land that God called me to come to. It's an antichrist spirit that's sitting on the foundation of the false prophet that's been raised up by the enemy. And the false prophet has come in agreement with this kind of spirit. And from those three, here's the most dangerous one. Because this is where the culture sinks its teeth in. Is the personal agenda of humanity. Personal agenda. That a religious spirit, a political system, and false prophet, once it takes occupancy in the heart of humanity, it then gives birth to personal agenda. And without discernment, you will never be able to know where you're going. And so the reason why there's chaos is because when you get to the root of every empire that collapsed, you see corruption and chaos that exist. So who do we trust? In God we trust. How are we going to survive the chaos in the world? God is in the details. Ooh, that's for somebody right there. So let me leave you with this. There are actors in Antichrist who have been given the script by Satan to set the stage for the Antichrist to perform his signs and wonders and his role throughout the world. He's the enemy of all nations. And that's why all nations will turn to him in the beginning. He'll promise peace and prosperity, but he won't keep it long. And so the time of Christ's return is ever so clear. It's ever so near. That I can see the disciples privately asking Jesus, what are the signs of your coming? We're seeing it right before our eyes. The enemy has used his antic, his ancient tactics of divide and conquer for so long. And so therefore, I'm here to tell you, church, when we see these actors and antichrists performing on the world stage, we will never stand up and give them a round of applause. We must never stand up and clap our hands for the signs and wonders of the actors and Antichrist. No, 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 no. No, no, no. Because these are unclean spirits working through human agreement to create chaos, confusion that leads to conflict in your world. In church, if you are not anchored, this is a quote from my good friend Tim May. 
If you and I are not anchored to the scripture and spirit, the church will drift towards human agendas, the wind of culture, or the idol of this age. And so, what can the righteous do? God is in the details. In God we trust. You're sent To this world for such a time as this. Because God is seeing the chaos. And he's saying someone needs a birth date. Come on. That when you were born. God put it in you to change your generation. And to speak to the chaos. So why are we losing? Thank you for asking. Here's why we are losing. My last two points and I promise. Why are the foundations of law and order collapsed? What can the righteous do? Here's what it is. This is our battle plan. This is why we're losing. I'll never forget when I first saw this at uh, Answers in Genesis. It was, it, it, was, it was amazing. So here's what we're doing. We're engaging in the conflict because there's chaos in the world. And so watch this now. See, the culture aims and shoots its arrow to attack the righteous foundation of the church to remove her identity in the world. That's what it does. It's aiming at our foundation. So culture has been elevated to a position. Oh, come on. To see our foundation. So they're taking their arrows at night. Ooh, not in the daytime. But at night, and they're shooting it in the foundation of the family. They're shooting the foundation of marriage. They're shooting the foundation. And so we have families embracing culture, language, because the foundation is collapsing. And we fear, we are afraid, and so we hold on to culture because we have no idea what our foundations are. So we come to church, and the enemy's like, I don't care. I'm still going to hit your foundation. And so all of a sudden now, we used to do this, and we don't do it. We used to do this, we don't do it. We used to do this. Until all of a sudden now, the culture can't recognize the church, and church can't recognize the culture. And all it's because at night, the enemy was shooting. So the church then, what we should be doing is that we should be then destroying the foundation of the enemy. But what we do is we shoot for the rotten fruits. (laughs) Instead of going to the root issue. And so we're shooting at the rotten fruits. And they're saying religious, 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 false prophets, false prophets. You're being political. You're being political. Because while they're shooting our foundation, we're shooting at some rotten fruit up there. And the enemy says, I've got them distracted because they're not attacking the foundation of the works of darkness. 
And God is telling this church and every other church that recognizes when the question is asked, what can the righteous do? Here's what the righteous will do. We will build the foundation of the church and we will stand only for King Jesus. We will never stand up and applaud the world. No, 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 no. We will stand for King Jesus. My life will declare King Jesus. With every head bowed, every eyes closed. God. Oh, the foundation of the church is collapsing. But God is saying, upon this rock I will build my church. Hear it, God, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Hear me, United States of America. Upon this rock I will build my church. And the gates of hell will not prevail against it. (laughs) Because greater is he that's in the righteous than he that's in this world. Oh my goodness. For such a time as this God has called you church. This is the greatest harvest. It's time to clean your house out. It's time to sweep the culture out of your house. It's time to sweep the culture out of your house. And to welcome righteousness in. Get the broom, come on, and start sweeping it out. When your kids ask you, what are you doing? It says, God's in the details. <laughs> what are you doing? Because in God, I trust. What are you doing? It's chaotic outside. Chaotic, chaos in the world. It's chaotic in the world. And before, I'm going to rebuild the foundation. Because upon this rock, I build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. There's a commitment that you need to make, and we'll talk about that commitment in the first Sunday in September. But I'm really serious about this. You know, there are people who are not leaving Afghanistan because they say, no, it's the land that I love. And they're saying, God has called me to this land. The enemy is running crazy stuff, and we're hearing reports of, Taliban, God is visiting them, and they're saying, Jesus is Lord. Come on, church. God is in the details, and while we see what's going on, please understand, it's time that you start shooting the foundation of culture and stop wasting your energy in shooting the rotten fruits. It's a distraction. The world and the culture puts their life out there so you will speak to it and be distracted from the real foundation. Ah, God, that's so good. Father, in Jesus' name, thank you for what you're doing. It's, it's, it's past time. Father, bless your people. Bless your people. Bless us, God. And please, God, whatever you do, 
have mercy on these United States of America. And when the question is asked, what can the righteous do? Let us declare God is in the details. In God we trust. We were born for such a time as this in the chaos of, war, of this world. But the foundation of the church is strong in America. Because God, you will build your church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. And amen and amen and amen and amen. And amen and amen and amen. In God we trust. Come on, Father, thank you. In Jesus' name. 